Hello, and welcome to episode 56 of the Movie Brats Podcast. I am Carter, and joining me, as always, is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan? Happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) Oh, happy Thanksgiving. I am in the midst of grading research papers and applying to PhD programs and trying to finish this semester and make it to 30 Uh, I will turn 30 on Christmas Day, and I uh, feel very swamped with work, but uh, I felt felt good to be with my family and uh, just kind of relax for a little bit over the holiday. Well, then there's the light at the end of the tunnel. You got the final push (laughs) before everything's done with. That's the good thing about the, the school semester is at least Christmas you get off. Well, and it's like, oh, it's so horrifying. I have to be teaching get out and active killing <laughs> and bicycle thieves like my life's so hard uh, well we've got some even more contemporary movies to discuss <laughs> two movies released in the last uh, month or so here we're going to start off with last night in soho directed by edgar wright who's also done baby driver Shaun of the dead hot fuzz and many others um starring thomas and mckenzie anya taylor joy in Matt Smith. This movie is about a young woman named Eloise who moves to London from the countryside to study fashion. And after moving into an apartment in Soho, she begins having visions of an aspiring singer who lived in the same apartment in the 60s. Eloise begins to lose grasp of reality and past and present collide with violent consequences. Uh, This was originally supposed to come out September of last year, but premiered September 4th 2021 at the venice film festival a wide release october 29th a metacritic score of 65 and a rod tomato score of 75 i found that this was the first things i sort of heard about this is that it was sort of mixed reviews from critics and that seemed to hold firm all the way down its release um how did you feel about this jonathan were you mixed (laughs) was it positive was it negative i know you're a fan of his previous movies yeah, I very much like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, especially. I very much enjoyed Last Night in Soho. I think on the surface, it's exquisitely made. The production design, the editing, just the filmmaking in general. He's always been someone who, Edgar Wright, that you can just tell uh, that he loves movies, watching his movies. And there's a great joy and exuberance watching him pull off uh, for example, in this movie, there's a bunch of trick photography with mirrors and yes. doubles. Uh, there's scenes where we don't want to give away too much about the film, but basically Thomas and McKenzie's character is in the present day in London going to fashion school. And she is uh, transported back to the 1960s in London. Mm-hmm. And she is looking at Anya Taylor-Joy's character. And there's scenes where you see one in the mirror and you see one in the club and a number of those shots were done without CGI mm-hmm. or very little CGI. Um, and it's just a great joy watching a filmmaker, especially someone who's still under 50, mm-hmm. kind of aspiring to being old school in a great way. Uh, he's showing, you know, he's been, he's been friends with Quentin Tarantino for a long time. And there's just this great joy and love of cinema you can feel mm-hmm. in every frame of his movie. Um, I don't think the film has the psychological depth and richness and certainly the actual terror and horror of some of the films that it is referencing and is an Mm -hmm. homage to. Uh, I think especially this film is influenced by the films of Roman Polanski, like Repulsion and The Tenant, Mm -hmm. uh, and by the visuals of Dario Argento, films like Deep Red and Suspiria. Very much Suspiria with the sort of neon colors. Right, and a young woman going to school, mm-hmm. a tenant, <laughs> uh, a young person going into a, you know, living uh, uh, into an apartment, and the previous tenant had very uh, dark, questionable history <laughs> of like what happened to them. Uh-huh. But yeah, so those films are actually scary and disturbing. I mean, Repulsion and the Tenant are kind of the first and third, and Polanski's thematic apartment trilogy and they're very disturbing movies and uh, last night in soho is surface disturbing like you're not i I can't imagine that anyone's really going to walk out of this movie and have trouble sleeping at night (laughs) unless they're really kind of a pussycat but 
I do think that it's a very entertaining film on the surface and it's very watchable. Yeah. Uh, I just think that it's not one of my very favorite of his because I don't feel like it, he, he, he pulls off the cinematic, you know, he's, he pulls the it off. The technical side of it. Yeah. But it, as actual like horror film and it's not, there's not much depth to the psychological aspects of it. No, you didn't really feel it in your gut either. I didn't really ever get like super invested in the whole girl from the 60s thing, uh, despite it really trying to. It really depended a lot on Anya Taylor-Joy just sort of like being a movie star to make you care about her character. She didn't really get to do a whole lot besides just sort of, you know, dance and sing and look very beautiful. Um, And I guess you could argue that that is kind it's of playing point. on that yeah right but I, yeah i do i do have to say thomas and mckinsey and anya taylor joy to me are two of the very best actors of their generation uh i, I didn't realize thomas, thomas and mckinsey was so young she was like 18 when she shot this really but, yeah, yeah i i'm a big fan of a movie that i think was underseen a few years ago leave no trace mm-hmm. uh with ben foster's by uh, deborah granick who did winter's bone mm-hmm. uh and more recently she was in jojo rabbit and old Shyamalan (laughs) but yeah I I I mean and she's in a film which we'll hopefully talk about later she has a supporting role in the power of the dog Mm -hmm. so she's already you know stacked up quite a list of auteurs she's worked with Mm -hmm. and Anya Taylor-Joy is just you know part of her she's like a great silent screen actress like just her face and her eyes are so compelling even though there may be not there may not be a lot of depth to her character she's just so compelling to watch just watching her dance and the costume yeah. well especially when she's first introduced she's like super exuberant and you can tell that this character just loves the idea of london in the 60s and you're right there with her sort of looking at everything with these big open eyes and uh you sort of follow her on the journey where maybe everything is not as it seems which i think i think matt smith really pulled off the sort of 60s look and also the sort of charm but also with a note of menace to him and I know he's done a lot of TV stuff. He was Doctor Who for a little while, but I haven't really seen him in a whole lot. So I was very impressed with him. Um, yeah. And we should certainly mention the people that were actually in this era. Mm-hmm. Terrence Stamp plays his character in the present day as an older man. Sort of mysterious and, older man. <laughs> yes. And uh, Dame Diana Rigg, whose last film this was, she passed away before the film came out. Mm-hmm. Um, she plays the woman who gives... She's Thomas the landlady. And, yeah, she's the landlady. <laughs> and she's very good at being uh, welcoming a little bit, but she's very kind of stern and uh-huh. no nonsense. And she's very mysterious. Uh, and it, it, she's, she's very good at, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun seeing someone, you know, who is in the Avengers, not yeah. the Marvel. But I, what Edgar Wright was saying in interviews that she had this great line where, if someone asked her about something specific from the 60s and she didn't remember, she would say, oh, I can't remember, darling. I was filming the Avengers. <laughs> oh, that was a great line. But also, uh, did you know, I was listening to an interview with Terrence Stamp on uh, NPR. It was actually from uh, earlier this century, um, about 20 years ago, I think. But did you know in the kink song, uh, Waterloo Sunset, when they're talking about Terry, oh, Terry meets Julie. Julie. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Terrence Stamp and Julie. Uh-huh. Did you know that? I did know that, actually. I'm a big fan of that song. Um, right. Back to but, last night. And so. It's connected, <laughs> but, though. Yeah, it is. Um, but a lot of the stuff, well, at least, you know, the first big movie he had that popped in America was Shaun of the Dead. And then, which was like an obvious sort of hom- homage slash sort of parody of the zombie genre. And then he did Hot Fuzz, which is very much a homage and parody of sort of 80s, 90s action movies. And this one, you can very much sort of tell uh, the influences of it. You mentioned a few of them earlier. And it like very much is uh, like knowing and that it's referencing these movies. But it definitely missed that aspect of parody, which he's so good at. And like you said, he doesn't really achieve the level of menace or psychological depth that those movies themselves achieved. So it's not like it's like a pastiche of these things because it is. No, a it's very. Movie. It's his only film so far that's not a comedy. It's yeah. not trying to be a comedy. It's not yeah. trying to be a parody. And I would argue that Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz are not really parodies. They're like they're like love, love letters. And, 
yeah i mean that's the shawn of the dead is like legitimately i mean it's certainly a comedy but it's legitimately a zombie horror yeah. film too. make like people die in it yeah and that's what's i think my favorite of his films i think the asterisk that we'll both say is that we've seen all of his films except uh the fistful of fingers uh-huh. uh well you haven't seen the sparks documentary did you okay yes yeah, so we will i've seen all You've of his seen feature all of his narrative. narrative films yeah yeah um <laughs> and i've but, also uh, seen space which he directed the tv show yeah but Hot Fuzz is my favorite, I think. And what's so great about that film is that it is... The action's really good. Yeah, it's like, like a legitimate... It's <laughs> like... It is... I would say that one is kind of making fun of dumb action movies, but yeah. it ends up being a, a really dumb action kick-ass movie. <laughs> action movie. Right. But yeah, and I feel like Last Night in Soho, I mean, I, I, I admire it right for going for a more serious and dramatic mm-hmm. and legitimate genre Uh film you know a genre film but i don't think i i mean i went into it not expecting it to be actually like scary, scary. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, I, mean, neither did I. I mean it's not i mean there's but i wish it know, had been like yeah, i wish I, it had been a little darker and a little scarier because it plays with some very dark ideas um about like you know the women in the 60s and the suffering that they would have had to go through and you know being exploited but I, you know, I never really felt the menace or the, like the terror. Like I feel like the, the story sort of required in some parts, like the end, I, I was not really <laughs> the sort of like climactic conflagration of an ending. Um, it had a really good score to it. It's to a uh, Celia Black song, uh, You're My World. So it, like the soundtrack for it's incredible. And you can tell that Edgar Wright really knows his stuff when it comes to 60s music, but for like the climactic scene, like, it just really didn't get the like terror or like this is really important or anything like that like it should have but i really did enjoy this movie i just you know i wish it had delivered a little more on on the movies it's sort of like based on and inspired by which like i think you repulsion is like a really disturbing movie. oh and it's like the last half old. hour like the characters like is sort of going through a breakdown and you're like kind of going through a breakdown with them like you start questioning what's really happening and like there's just like a dead body in the corner and stuff like that. It has some really weird elements. Well, I do love Tarantino, but I do kind of understand people's criticism of someone like Edgar Wright or Tarantino that's so cine- cinema literate mm-hmm. and his their films are so chock full of references to film and they just they they just live and breathe film that it's hard sometimes to get emotionally invested and mm-hmm. feel like there's any real tension or dramatic weight to what's going on when it's so frequently like movie, yeah. movie movie or even if like the characters even like feel like real people and i think that for the first sort of half hour or the thomas and mckenzie characters like feeling isolated at school i thought that was like the most sort of like true that the movie felt and like i thought that was like what it did the best was sort of conveying that sense of isolation in a big city um I also think it gets a little repetitive. It's almost yeah. two hours long. And there's parts towards the end where there's scenes that are kind of just repeating. The whole scene scenarios. in the library, I was like, come on, let's just get through this. Right. And the, like, the, the CGI American- for that one was not convincing where her she's sort of starting to see stuff that didn't really there, but it was done in a sort of confusing kind of manner where I, I it was hard for me to tell like how like distorted her version of reality was because I couldn't really tell if this was like totally based on nothing or if like there was actually like something sort of menacing really happening. So I thought it was a little confusing in the part where it was supposed to be sort of the most tense and the most uh, sort of energetic. But I was going to say the black character named John, he really has no character development at all. Except <laughs> no, to be he's just sort of a nice sweet. guy. <laughs> Right. I kept thinking throughout the film, well, this isn't, I guess it's kind of a spoiler that like, I, I was like, oh, he's going to end up being bad or like nefarious. Cause he was like, no. like <laughs> it was like so, he's so sweet. insistent. And he's like, right. oh, I've got a seat for you. Oh, I've picked up your homework. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I, I very much enjoyed the film, but mm-hmm. I, it wasn't as dark as it could have been. Mm-mm. It's not, it's it's not i mean it is a horror film but it's more kind of it's like an edgar wright horror film where it's still very poppy and beautiful to look at and 
kind of winking at you so you never really feel like there's huge stakes to it Um, well i remember that tarantino said that he doesn't think he could ever make a truly scary horror film uh like he said the closest that he's ever made to a horror film in a way is death proof it's like a serial killer film and he uses his car to kill women it's a scary scenario yeah but he said like a movie like the exorcist like he said i don't think i could ever make a film like that because all my films have humor in it and i i couldn't help myself and i think edgar wright is so infatuated with cinema and playing with it that he never can settle down and actually be scary yeah but i enjoyed the ride that he took me on oh definitely he did yeah yeah so yeah i mean it's and it's sort of what i expected um so it's not like i really like you said it's not like i went to the theater being like oh i'm, this, I'm gonna be like scared shitless by this movie yeah and, but, <laughs> and movies never scare i mean you're not a big horror film but like movies yeah. never scare me yeah like there's been like seven horror films or films that have ever scared me and it's been like over a decade since i've seen a film you know so it's not really a criticism uh, no. so much but it's i mean the film is effective but it's yeah it's just an entertainment but it's i think it's sort of proof that he you know he's he's got sort of a lane that he's really really good at but he sort of needs to stay within that to to sort of be the most effective and you know maybe he's not the most versatile of filmmakers but that doesn't mean his movies aren't really good or can't be you know classics because i think like Shaun of the dead is like a classic at this point like a sort of modern classic so i mean he's got mm-hmm. that in his cv to make something really extraordinary so right well you I heard said maybe he's going to do a baby driver sequel i hope he doesn't do that <laughs> i mean i really like the original but it's just like how can they keep i mean multiple reasons it's just they it just seems like how could you go back to that well yeah exactly and also yeah. i don't really care to see Ansel Elgort's baby 10 years down the line <laughs> no and it's like a before series <laughs> you know i it mean it's out of prison i mean spoiler they you know kevin spacey's character does get killed but yeah. I, you know what they even reference oh kevin spacey he no was exactly in the but um yeah, yeah so it's like a three and a half four you think for last night so yeah yeah i think that it's one of those when I walked out of the theater, I'd probably go, oh, that's a four. You know, yeah. but I'm like, maybe three and a half now. <laughs> yeah. And it's one where, you know, if you're familiar with Edgar Wright and you like his movies, I definitely think you'll like it. Um, it's probably not like the best intro to Edgar Wright movie. I think you'd probably still Sean. start with Shaun of the Dead as sort of the most representative of his style and um, his movie literacy while also making a a movie that, you know, is contained in itself and is it Shaun of the thing. Dead is a better Shaun of the Dead to me is a better horror film. Yeah, no, I think so too. Last night in Soho, because people actually die and don't make it. Well, yeah, and the climax, stuff. you really there's a sense of like, oh man, this could really go bad. <laughs> right. And which I didn't really ever feel on this one. And um, although it, you know, had a killer soundtrack, as I'll keep saying, this is one of the best soundtracks of, of any movie you'll see. Um, but yeah, to another period piece set in england with uh, a pretty Tor- different tormented tone. woman <laughs> yeah, well exactly both about tormented woman fighting yeah. against the patriarchy and trying to find their own identity and free themselves from the shackles of patriarchy um this movie is spencer directed by pablo lorraine who also did jackie uh which won natalie portman best actress right didn't that happen nominated okay she was nominated um, and also, no, he's done a few Spanish language movies. This is his uh, second English language movie, I think, uh, starring Kristen Stewart as Diana and also a cast of with Timothy Spall, Sally Hawkins um, and what is it? Sean Harris. Princess Diana, to be clear. <laughs> Princess Diana. Diana. Well, she, you know, she didn't end her life as Princess Diana when she left the royal family. So I guess technically she still is Princess Diana as she's still a member of the royal family. Um Build as a fable from a true tragedy. Those are the first words we see which open the movie. Spencer is a fictionalized account of events in the final year of Princess Diana's marriage to Prince Charles as she spends an intense weekend with the royal family for the occasion of celebrating the Christmas holidays. It premiered September 3rd at the Venice Film Festival, uh, was released wide November 5th, 2021, a Metacritic score of 76 and a Rotten Tomato score of 84 
the thing I keep saying about this movie is that it is a lock to win Kristen Stewart Best Actress. I think we've seen uh, for the past few years, and you know, pretty much dating back forever when things are called a lock to win stuff. I remember Lady Gaga for uh, A Star Is Born. Um, it hardly ever. And then it was going to be, and then it was going to be Glenn Close for the wife, and then uh, Olivia <laughs> Coleman beat both of them. But I, this was one of the better acting performances. Um, and it, it is, it's a real shame, but her portraying a real person actually makes it much more likely because we've gone through this really weird stretch, which was broken last year by Anthony Hopkins, where all of the best actor winners are playing real people, basically. Um, <laughs> so, and then was we the had art, the, was like the artist, maybe the last one that wasn't <laughs> pretty much. And the same was going for the best actor, where we had uh, Glenn Close for the Iron Lady and. Um, Renee no, no, Zellweger Meryl for Meryl Streep, sorry. Yeah. Um, and then Glenn Close Renee has Zellweger. still never won an Oscar. <laughs> oh, that was just a slap in the place. Glenn Close, I'm sure she knows very well. Um, but this was one of the better performances oh, yeah. by an actress I've seen in a really long time. And I mean, you can tell like just how sort of in character she got. And um, I'm sure you're similar in that I don't really remember much about Diana when she was alive. I remember her death being a very big deal because I think I was like six or seven when she died. So I can't say that I have a really firm grasp on who she was as a person or what she represented to people, but I feel like, I mean, Kristen Stewart um, did just about as good of a job as capturing someone who I think a lot of people really felt like they knew um, when she was alive. I mean, she's probably one of the most photographed people who ever lived and just sort of showing the sort of struggle of being so much in the spotlight and, I'm sure that that's something Kristen Stewart can relate to, you know, being as famous as she's been since she was like a teenager, basically doing Twilight. But I thought it was a perfect matchup of, of actor and character. Did you, did you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I think that there is, I was going to say, yeah, I don't have this huge familiarity with Princess Diana. Like, honestly, looked up footage of her after the movie because I, didn't have this ingrained in my head what she mm-hmm. sounded and I mean I certainly know what she looked but like but I didn't even really know exactly what she sounded like because mm-hmm. I haven't really listened to you know a lot of interviews with her but I think that Kristen Stewart's so great in the role because there is a certain level of performative quality and there is a certain level of artifice to the role but that's what the film is also about it's yeah. about how there's even Prince Charles says it in one scene uh, that there's two versions of all of us. There's the one that we show to the public and then there's the private one. Yeah. And I think that it certainly, as you mentioned, it's by Pablo Lorraine who also did Jackie. It's very much a companion piece where on the surface, it's a biopic, but yeah. both films are focused on a, mostly on a brief period of time and it's really more of a mood piece that's capturing the psychological state of someone at one of the most distressed points or traumatic even basically right and i think that one of the things you know i'll say this i actually think spencer is a better horror film than last night in soho like to me it is also like what's real what isn't (laughs) Right. It to me, it's more the shining than masterpiece theater. Yeah. I mean, it is a kind of when the score is so good at setting that mood. It's so eerie. Yeah. Johnny Greenwood, who all of a sudden is everything. Score because it's like this uh, jazz sections of it. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, there's there. It's like last night in soho it's exquisitely made on a technical level you know Mm -hmm. 16 millimeter the costumes the production design cinematography you know everything you're watching on screen is just like it's it's tactile too it doesn't feel like there's any you know you feel like it's a dusty old house where the people get cold and they hate that everything is so old (laughs) right of these rules that they have to follow Right. And like I was saying about the performance, I think the film is very much about how people in the public figures are presented in the media and mm-hmm. how they're, they and how they present themselves to the world and how she became suffocated uh, by this 
media scrutiny and what she was expected, uh, what people, and even her own family, the other royals, what they expected for her to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's also this connection with, uh, this is maybe reading too much into it, but there's this idea of her being it, like this claustrophobia, like she can't breathe, she mm-hmm. can't escape. And there's also the connection to that Prince Charles has the necklace of pearls that he gave to another woman mm-hmm. and she wears it and it's like choking her. And she also has the bulimia. There's all this kind of yes. repression and this uh, wanting to unleash something. And it, it all kind of flows together in this. Really... A lot of like body, gross body stuff in this movie. Yeah. There's um, one thing that I thought I didn't realize until I was listening to an interview with two female film critics. Uh, I didn't get that. There's a close-up of her washing her hands and she really washes her fingers, her top, because that's the balloon. Oh, it's got like the stick, acid from the stomach fluids. Or, or like, like you stick those, you know, your first two fingers down yeah. your throat. And that's why it's like, and it, and it makes no reference. Like that's why she's doing yeah. it. But there's just little things that are very telling. Um, and I, I just like, we don't want to give too much weight, but she does have these visions uh, you know, talking about not being able to breathe and this yeah. tightness in the neck or the bulimia. There's the visions of Anne Boleyn. Yes, who famously see. stayed at this house that they're having the and Christmas was holidays at. Yeah, yeah, was beheaded, right? <laughs> well, and there's this giant portrait of Henry VIII next to the dinner table. <laughs> right. And like last night in Soho, you were saying there's scenes where I mean, when Anne Boleyn's sitting there, like, okay, this probably isn't really happening. <laughs> yeah. But there's scenes where you're not, you know, she's like pulls off the necklace and the pearl falls into her food and she starts eating it. And uh-huh. you're like, she's going, you're seeing her mental projection. And then like it cuts to her walking through the hallway and she's still wearing the pearls. So you're like, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> right. And I do think that, I mean, I am gay, but I don't know. I'm not an expert on everything, but I, I don't know if the word camp if the movie slightly can't be because it's so sincere yeah but there's also a level of like i never felt this way but it's like she's like staggering down the hall and like there is a little faint part in the back of my head it's like you know first world problems white people problems like why do we feel like oh princess diana oh, <laughs> she had it so hard she's suffering but, from bulimia jonathan that's a real I, sickness no but no i mean not just saying that but like oh you know how sorry should we feel for princess diana oh yeah but, who has I, everything I, in the world and... yeah but i know i i but i i had that thought a tiny bit but i don't feel that way because yeah. you know it's like just because someone has material wealth does not mean that they're happy. Oh and yeah. Part of the tragedy is that on the surface, you know, the costumes and the she's literally a princess. It's like something and from she, a fairy tale. Right. And she's like, <laughs> they, they actually weigh her when they come into the yeah. house to see, you know, there's like this connection to her, like literal worth. Like what is yeah. she, what, you know, what is her worth? And the film manages to be, I think a very sincere examination of that, but there's also, like I said, her performance. There is just, there is joy in like, oh, Kristen Stewart's getting to suffer and play Princess Anna. There's enjoyment (laughs) in it. Well, part of like any sort of representation of a historical figure, I, you know, I very much think of Lincoln as this is like, part of it is just sort of watching the actor, you know, in the historical costume and doing the sort of historical mannerisms. So obviously there there's a level of um, sort of the performance being the point of the thing. And that's like especially true of this movie because so much of it, are, especially like there's a sort of montage at the end where we're just sort of doing Kristen Stewart greatest hits, Diana fashion and, <laughs> and sort of like Diana events where she's just like wearing, I guess, all of the sort of icon- iconic uh, Diana outfits and doing the sort of like, diana celebrity thing so i mean i think like part of what makes it interesting is that we're very much aware that it is kristen stewart doing this i mean like she's wearing a wig for most of the movie um but it is like that sort of fine line of disappearing into the role but also it's sort of being about kristen stewart playing Diana. yeah i know yeah i never (laughs) i never really forgot it was kristen stewart but she did such a good job inhabiting 
Well, that's but we're talking about that it, part of the film is about putting on a performance, yes, putting exactly. out a persona. And so the fact that, I mean, there have been films like, to me, Denzel Washington, like he becomes Malcolm X. Like mm-hmm. you, like it is so, like he looks so much like him. Yeah. I mean, this is a very different one, but I recently rewatched Behind the Candelabra. Like Michael Douglas is an actor that very frequently, he's playing Michael Douglas yeah. basically, you know, Fatal Attraction and Wall Street. But he becomes Liberace. And like, yeah. I really forget that it's Michael Douglas and that's a miraculous <laughs> performance. This one, you don't have, and it's not a criticism to me. It's very much- I actually um, think it enhances the performance in the movie. Right, right. That, I think that, you know, she's not as tall as Diana and, you know, she does the accent. We're aware she's doing an accent because we know she's American. Right. Uh, and it's, and like I said, the film is about how, you know, you see her getting dressed and in there, even the family is in the servants are dictating how yeah. she presents herself. <laughs> so we've got um, a schedule of the clothes she has to wear and stuff like that. Right. And I have no problem with, I mean, there are people have been criticized, people have criticized uh, film choices uh, of actors like oh why are we having a british actor play superman who's such an american icon why are we it's like having... he's an alien <laughs> i know it's like i mean even spike lee had a thing about why are there so many of the best performances by black performers that are british oh, a lot of british playing. black yeah yeah because they have like background in shakespeare and stuff like that like you would tell edge of four yeah and uh the playing in selma dr king yeah you know, or like, uh daniel kaluuya playing uh What's his Judas name? Judas and the Black Judas Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, no, so I, um, that'd be interesting to see Daniel Kaluuya play Princess Diana. <laughs> but, um, no, but I, I I, do think that, or it would have been interesting to see, like, I'm not there or have, like, six different people playing Diana. Like Diana. <laughs> well, that's what they kind of do. I've never One seen it. One of them is it, Brian Tyree Henry. Well, I was going to say that they, I have never seen it, but that's kind of sort of what they do with The Crown is they have in the different yeah, seasons, it's true. different actors. People playing, um, I think, um, What's Elizabeth her name? DeBecky. DeBecky, yeah, from Tenet yeah. is going to be in this one, which yeah. will be interesting because she's like she's seven taller. feet tall. <laughs> I know. All right. She's taller than I am. It's like on Veep, they're talking <laughs> about one of the people and he says, they're listing off all these insults. They said the cloud botherer. I thought that was funny. But um, no, I, I, yeah, I, I very much like Spencer. I was just going to plug another movie. Like I, I you don't, you certainly don't need to see Jackie before this, but it's, uh, if you like Jackie, I think you would also like Spencer and they're very much yeah. a companion piece. Very much. Um, I also highly recommend the same year that Jackie came out, Pablo Lorraine also did a one word title biopic called Neruda that was about the Chilean poet Pablo mm-hmm. Neruda. Uh, Gail Garcia Bernal was one of the actors in it. It's a very good film. I like Is that one as psychologically intense as the other two? Oh, no. Well, it's I mean, a little gentler. It's, well, I wouldn't say it's like generally, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's doing something different, but I just very, and I didn't like knew next to nothing about Pablo Neruda, but yeah, it's a very good film. And I, I also saw his film. No, I mean, I've seen a number of his films. It's interesting that like we were saying, this was, uh, I think it's his second English language film, but, uh, right earlier this year, um, he did a mini series based on a Stephen King adaptation, uh, Lacey's, Lacey's story with Julianne Moore. Huh. Um, so this is technically uh, Spencer is his second, you know, theatrical uh-huh. English language. Obviously, film. he's starting to do a lot of stuff with prominent female actors. Oh well, do you know what's one of the things he has upcoming? If I'm not mistaken, is it about a historical figure? No, he is doing a Bride of Frankenstein film starring Scarlett Johansson. How about that? No, is that true? No, no, wait, that's not true. That was <laughs> that is incredible. No, it's. I think it's there. It's interesting. There's another um, um, South American director, the one who did a Fantastic Woman. I think he's doing it. Okay. But um, yeah, what what would be the third one? The that they could he, uh, Pablo Lorraine could do a film on. Would it have to be an English language speaking woman? <laughs> Maybe he could do one on Thatcher. Well, but they already did that. I, see, I don't during think the minors, but no, but you do it like that was sort of like an all encompassing sort of traditional this is the person's career i would yeah, love one like I don't 24 hours during the minor strike where people are like hanging effigies of margaret thatcher but i don't feel <laughs> she's sorry like, for margaret off. thatcher though <laughs> well that would be the I challenge that would be the challenge of the film i mean i think generally people you know like jackie kennedy and <laughs> it's diana 
No, yeah. that's let, definitely true. Let me just correct you. Sebastian Lelio, L-E-L-I-O, he's the guy who directed A Fantastic Woman. He's mm-hmm. directing A Bride of Frankenstein film starring Scarlett Johansson. Okay. They're uh, two very talented directors. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It would be interesting to see what third historical figure. I think um, he should keep doing this. <laughs> He's like found, as we were talking about a lane for Edgar Wright. Like he has found a great lane where you like get these like celebrated iconic women of history and just like show them at the absolute depths of like their darkest hour and sort of forging a new identity out of the ashes. I think that this is like a real sort of thing he's caught on to. Maybe Thatcher isn't the best one. I can't think of too many. I mean, oh, obviously. Maybe they could do a Hillary Clinton through Benghazi. <laughs> could do. Yeah. Or could do a Lewinsky one. I don't know. I mean, the Already politics the thing. Yeah. Wow. This is, you know, they've, a lot of people have made stuff about Diana. I mean, The Crown is literally currently airing. So we can yeah. have companion pieces. But so you, do you think this is a lock for Best Actress to bring no, back? I have no idea what's going to happen <laughs> with your. I think I would be very shocked if she's not nominated. Oh, she's definitely going to get nominated. And yeah. the press tour will be extremely interesting. I know, um, but there have been times where even in November, where it's like, oh, this person's a lock to win Best Actress, and then it gets to, you know, a week February. before Oscars. People have forgotten like, about it. They're in the fourth and fifth yeah. slot. Like, they're, like, not scheduled. You know, they're not predicted to... You know, I think the other nominees... I mean, who else is in the running? Um, I think I mean, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter. I think when that comes on, that's going to yeah. generate a I lot think, of buzz. I think that Kirsten Dunst, if she's going to be in lead... For, for power, the power of the dog. dog yeah never been nominated before um i think that um i just like, i can't even remember what movies are coming out well it's also out. like sometimes it's kind of random which ones like really catch fire right before the and a lot yeah. of this is about just sort of catching the right moment because the voting is like early january for the nominees i think right and the singer and licorice pizza is supposedly one of the best things about the film it's like alana ham yeah yeah yeah, I, mean, I don't know. So we'll see if that ends up becoming a hit. I mean, I have high hopes for that sort of catching fire because Paul Thomas Anderson, I mean, he's right up there. It's like sort of according to like people with the sort of working knowledge of film as like the best American director. It's like him and Tarantino and Scorsese, I guess, kind of are up in that well, sort of. I would certainly say PT, he just turned, uh, he's like in his early 50s. Now he's a little over 50, but I would say that PTA for my money is definitely the best american director under 60 yeah but um yeah i I don't i wouldn't put tarantino in the top three well he's i mean among like people who are seeing two to five movies a year like he's definitely the guy that like name a director like quinn tarantino so well yeah i think that um (laughs) well and what's interesting is that pta has uh been nominated like eight times for oscars and never won yet Mm -hmm. so we'll see if he uh so, yeah, you know that's the but, big yeah. one we're looking forward to in December. There's a lot of stuff one of us have seen, but the other hasn't. The power think, of the dog, come on, yeah. come on. I've seen a velvet underground. You still haven't seen that, right? <laughs> I can't cast my iPhone. Apple TV will not let the app cast to my TV, so I don't I'm not gonna watch it on my phone. Yeah, I wouldn't. So I just I like why do they do that? <laughs> What's what is the downside of having the access on the from your phone onto the google chrome thing i don't know i know it's like like, they're just trying to make it difficult for you i know um (laughs) first world problems but uh i do also very much want to see um the well there are films that i certainly want to see but it's like house of gucci is getting yeah mixed reviews apparently that one is camp is the word to describe that right i heard that like you know jared leto is like the most over the top like (laughs) having the most fun anyone has ever had in prosthetics <laughs> right and that like like he out you know he out choose the scenery in pacino and lady gaga <laughs> in the movie so much of that movie seems to just like be about them doing italian accents which yeah. i like <laughs> right so maybe i'll see that right but, i, I want to see the disney movie which one in canto oh, okay see they like all the last like four pixar releases have just like totally flown over my head right i'm just like it seemed to come out like all the time like luca one it came out on uh right yeah that one just like a week ago right 
no like five six months ago yeah and then there was the was epic what was the one was that pixar what it was the one with like the two brothers was that a pixar movie onward onward yeah that was the last film i saw in a theater before the pandemic yeah yeah i saw i watched soul on blu-ray that's another one yeah Yeah. well one thing we could i mean we don't want to ramble on but i do think that uh I do want to watch the Beatles documentary by. Peter oh, I Jackson. just finished that. Uh, it's three parts. Yes, it's like eight hours long. Yeah, I mean, but I don't want to pay for Disney Plus. Disney's evil. You can get a 30, 30 day free trial, I think, yeah, if you're really heads up about canceling it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but is there like, do you ever watch Disney Plus unless there's something like that? I mean, do you re- is there stuff you regularly watch in there that's original programming? No. Yeah. I watched I watched Loki. That was like six episodes and I was disappointed at the end of that. I so. would I don't want to watch any Marvel. I don't want to watch Hawkeye or whatever it is. <laughs> but no, I do want to I do kind of want to see Disenchanted, uh the sequel to Enchanted with Amy Will that Adams. be coming out on Disney Plus? I don't know if it's gonna come out in theaters, but it is gonna be on Disney Plus. Did you yeah. see the first one, Enchanted? Yeah, that came out like when we were in like high school, right? That came out. Yeah, a long that's time that, ago. that's a very funny movie. To oh, me, it is. That's, that's a movie that's a really good example of like it's a good movie, but like Amy Adams' performance makes it like like a whole star better. Like oh yeah, be, like like she's and that so was like the first big movie she really like popped as a star in, from what I remember. And yeah. then she went on like a big run after that. It's, she's which one of kind of cooled off. She hadn't been in a whole lot of. Well, she, it's interesting that they were both uh, she and Glenn Close were in Hillbilly Elegy, and I think they're uh, like the oh, number yeah. one, and number two most nominated Oscar. Without winning. without winning right like glenn close has like eight and she has a film that's uh with mahershala ali called swan song am i making this up no that was like the first movie to on some platform or something like that yeah none of us know what it is <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> is it swan song that she's in i, I believe that that's yes. right and there was yeah. something significant about it that is and, like well no it's an apple original film okay it, I think there's there's something where it's like the first to do this thing. I think like I that. think that Francis McDormand very likely could be nominated. Oh, for yep, for Macbeth, which you've seen right. in the rest right. of America. We'll have the opportunity to see this month or next month, depending on when I release this. <laughs> well, it's going to come out on Christmas, Christmas, yeah, like theaters, and then so Licorice Pizza is already out, but it's going to open wide-ish. Licorice Pizza is literally playing in one screen in each theater it's in, and it's still making almost a hundred thousand dollars per theater yeah maybe that's just new york and la but it's doing very well so far there was it's yeah there there's movies that like well even without the pandemic that would be really good business but Mm -hmm. especially during the pandemic that's like insane business yeah yeah it's like selling out every show basically right well yeah so last night in soho we give thumbs up to with reservation that it's not really that scary and maybe a great doesn't have what it takes to make like a legit horror real sort of yeah and spencer what i like about it too is that it is like on the surface this oscar bait movie but it it's so well made and has that movie unlike i feel last night and so like it actually has psychological depth it goes to some dark places (laughs) right but it's Uh, not like you're like scared to go along you're like take me there i want to see it i want to see kristen stewart go through this Right. Oh, and I was just going to point out, it's interesting. I was born on Christmas Day in 91. So like the weekend it happens is like when I was born. How about that? It's yeah. like a meanwhile in America. I know. It's like maybe. <laughs> like halfway through it. <laughs> maybe like the butterfly effect. Like if I had been born the next day, it would have been different for she her. Would have, yeah, she would have been queen. I know. <laughs> I but yeah, to, for me, okay. Spencer classic i think it's like one of the best movies i've seen in the theaters and maybe like since the father to be honest like that was like the last one we're seeing in a theater i was like oh man this is like blowing me away so this right. for me is close to that sort of level um so very very much recommend it yeah i am um, and one i hope that it's probably left everywhere it played like atlanta very quickly but um my favorite film of the year is the souvenir part two mm-hmm. which i just think is exquisite and like nobody wants to see it because it barely got. <laughs> it yeah, was released in like four theaters nationwide. Well, we don't need to ramble uh, and go on. But I was to say Ridley Scott made the comment, you know, because he had two films out so brief, 
you know, in such a brief yeah, like the time. last duel, which like lost. He's saying that uh, millenni- the millennials are the reason the last duel lost money is that if they can't get it on their phones, they're not going to watch. They're it. not going to see it. And it's like, well, you did make a two hour and a half plus, you know, medieval film, and it was sold as like a gladiator like film, and you released it in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like i don't know that it's millennials <laughs> fault necessarily no uh, but i do think there is like why well, i don't think people are as interested in like very serious topics like um rape yeah exactly yeah. like the other day like the other day i watched clue which is like about prostitute murder and that yeah. movie made five times its budget i don't like see a movie like that being like a hit <laughs> these right. days well, I mean, I, 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 one thing I, I'll, I'll end with this. I, I, the show made M A I D was on Netflix, and oh, yeah, su- supposedly was the highest watched show ever on Netflix until Squid, Squid Game. Really? It very soon. Um, why did millions and millions of people watch Made as like a what eight or ten? hour miniseries but like if it was a theatrical film in theaters even without the pandemic it would be lucky to make 10 million dollars oh it'd be lucky to make like a million but why i think netflix is a huge part of that just netflix promoting on its own site its own products like if it puts it in the top 10 i think that ensures like a base level of you know like millions and millions of viewers which i I mean, I do agree with Ridley Scott to the degree that I think there's a lot of people that are, you know, whatever, what is millennial cutoff, you know, like people that are 20. <laughs> next one is Gen Z. I know. Well, I'll say certainly people that are like tw- under 25. I think there's a lot of people, if it's not streaming on Netflix or Disney plus or Hulu or what yeah. streaming services they have, it's like, they're oh, just not going to see do- it. Like, how can I watch? Like, they don't have a Blu-ray player. Or they may yeah. even have a Blu-ray player or a, a game system that plays Blu-rays, but they never watch things on physical no. media anymore. They don't go to the movie theaters hardly ever, no. I think, a lot of them. You know, no. They're not going to go see The Last Duel. They're not going <laughs> to no. go see Spencer. La- I mean, both Last Night and So and Spencer, I don't think they did too well at the box office, did they? Uh, last time Soho, last time Soho definitely lost a good deal of money because that was pretty expensive. I could see Spencer's, Spencer's cost being pretty low. Um, so I don't. I rem- this is very random comment. I remember one time I watched Grand Hotel, which uh, is the Barry really Morris. This is really <laughs> off topic. Do you ever see the film from the '30s, Grand Hotel, with Greta Garbo and Joan Crawford? Yeah, I remember thinking when I watched it originally, like. Oh, you know, this movie has big movie stars, but I bet it like wasn't actually that didn't cost that much to make because it's one location. Looked it up, highest gross. It was the most expensive movie ever made at the time. I was like, oh, that was. Would they use like every camera in Hollywood or something like that? All thirty. Yeah, I was looking up Spencer on uh, box office mode. I see twelve million box office, eighteen million budget. So. It well, it, well, it made it made six. It's only made six million, six point four million domestically. Domestic. That's not very good. No, yeah. that's not very good. Worldwide, uh, just under 12 million. So it's going to lose money. Because it's yeah. not a big part of this for movies back in the days. You know, when it was released on DVD, they would get like another big profit boost. You don't, you don't get anything like that these days. So it's very much dependent on its first run in movie theaters. Right. And this might be one where like, if it's nominated for a bunch of Oscars, they'll re-release it. And maybe yeah. it'll break even after that. But I mean, the reason Spencer was made was to win awards it wasn't made to well i think i think at the end of the day not well not to make uh yeah yeah. i don't think it was made to make money but i don't think it was like oh let's just win oscars that i don't think that was no but that's that's like that's the reward for investing in a movie like this is to win oscars that's not obviously while pablo lorraine and kristen stewart made the movie right i do think yeah, and I do think that um, I remember hearing about the studio heads back in the new Hollywood era. You know, it's like they always have wanted to make money. Like, that's not yeah. like a new thing, like, oh, we want to make money. But there was the idea that the big studio heads, especially towards the end of the year, they wanted to release a couple of movies that had like artistic merit that they thought could win awards. Like, yeah. let's not just release Smokey and the Bandit and like <laughs> the Cannonball Run, too. I know it's like let's make a movie like 
you know, Barry Lyndon or um, let's make a film. Network that, or know, something like that. Yeah, that has like, you know. And a lot of times those like sort of caught fire and made money because the audience was yeah. there and people went to movie theaters. And a thing that and, used to happen that never happens anymore is people just going to the theater and not knowing what they're going to see. I right. can't imagine I, that that ever happens anymore. I, this is a random comment, but I wonder how much the title being Spencer, like what? Wait, it was Spencer, what? Yeah. I know, like whether that's like. It was very it much an artistic choice because it's about her sort of finding her real self underneath the image of Princess Diana. But I could see right. why it wouldn't necessarily. Obviously, if you were like the, the money backer for this movie, you want it to be called Princess Diana. <laughs> like, right. Well, there was a musical that came out and it's supposed to be horrific, like in like like so bad. About funny. Princess Diana? Yeah, it's like a musical. It I don't came know out recently? Netflix, but it got like all one stars and they were like, oh my God, this is like, <laughs> like showgirls embarrassing. It's like a shame to the legacy of a great yeah. woman. Yeah. But anyway... But uh, two yeah, good movies, like, one yeah. better than the other. I think we'll right. probably be back soon to review some other stuff. Power of the Dog comes out on Netflix soon, right? Yeah, Power of the Dog comes out on Netflix soon. Lost Very Daughter comes out on that. Netflix soon. Um, yeah. Some other stuff being released. What, West Side Story comes yeah. out in a few weeks. Let's see if that's going to actually make any sort of return on, <laughs> on investment. Night, yeah. Nightmare Alley will come out soon. I don't think anyone's seen it, though. Like I haven't seen yeah. it. There's no reviews out yet. That one anyway. seemed very sudden. I was like, I had heard about it. It's like, oh, a trailer's out. Oh, it's coming out next month. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, anyway, has, we, we are rambling. Been. So we're going to cut this off. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We will be back with you guys next time. Bye.